with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Mainly sunny for today is what the forecast said, and that's certainly where it looks like out there right now. Alan and Alan Wishart in the host chair, Steve on the board. And we get things going right off the bat, because my first guest is already here. Rob Glavina? That's correct, yeah. From COPAR Administration. Now, first question, Rob. A lot of people have probably heard of it, but what is COPAR Administration? Like, what's your job? So, COPAR Administration is a company that uh, basically helps people find work. That's our okay. that's our uh, our mission. So, um, we have various programs and various different uh, avenues to, to do that and help, but we can pretty much help everybody. So, is a lot of it you are in touch with, say, different levels of government to find out what programs they're looking at, and then you see how those could fit in in Prince George? Um, it's a little bit of everything, but mostly they'll come up with um, with a program like an idea and uh, put it out for proposals, requests for proposals, and then we have a bidding process and we go through that. Um, sometimes if we have something unique, um, then we can propose that directly and see how it goes from there. But if we ha- currently have... Um, you know, provincial government contracts in BC and Alberta and um, federal contracts, federal programs. So now let's talk more specifically about Blade Runners raising roofs. Which category does that fall under? Was that one where there were grants available or was that one that was sort of an idea that you thought up in Prince George and took to people? Yeah, it's a little bit of a unique one. We've we've done something similar um, before and then what happened was uh, uh, the Ministry of Advanced Education, they, they had... Uh, put out a request for proposal, and so we kind of uh, elaborated on an idea we already had, and kind of uh, expanded on it, and and uh, put it forward. And yeah, lucky enough to get it. Yeah. So now that is a program that's not that has not started yet, correct? It has started actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've uh, we've our first class is actually almost done. Wow, a couple of weeks away. Okay, so this so this is a rollover thing. Then this wasn't this isn't just a one time thing. Um, so the the Blade Runners uh, has been around since the uh, I think the late nineties. I think ninety seven mm-hmm. it started, if yeah. memory serves. Um, and it's you know it's kind of evolved quite a bit since then. Uh, so we still are under that umbrella, and the idea has always been to help youth. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is our kind of idea on how to help youth. I always like to ask this question to people, especially if the the name of their group involves Northern. But in this case, I'll say youth. Define youth. So the ministry defines youth as someone 16 to 30 years old. Okay. So um, you have to be, basically to be eligible, you have to be um, currently not full-time employed. Right. Right. Um, You have to reside and have, you know, a social insurance number um, in here in Canada so Mm -hmm. that you work within Canada. Um, and you have to be 16 to 30. Um, you know, beyond that, there are other parameters that we kind of look for for, you know, just mm-hmm. just to make sure that we get people who are interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's 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 really the easiest part of it. That mm-hmm. Just come down and do an eligibility check if you're interested. That's mm-hmm. easiest, yeah. So the Blade Runners one, Blade Runners raising roofs. I'm going to take a wild guess and say this is involved with construction. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> Yeah, construction has kind of uh, been most of my background, mm-hmm. most of my life, and um, and so when uh, when we started putting this together, the uh, the concept is to build um, basically bunkhouses or small um, homes yeah. uh, for youth to use as camps. Or oh. that was kind of the original concept. Mm-hmm. So um, the two partners that we have in this, uh, Air Cadets and the Caledonia Nordic Ski Club. 
Okay. Um, they will be the recipients of these bunkhouses. Okay. Yeah. So Caledonia and Nordic, in their case, if they were hosting a group, like coincidentally enough, I think they just finished to some extent hosting. Well, I don't think they probably did, but the snowboard, the BC or the Canadian snowboard team was in the city for some training. If you had, say, biathlon or cross-country skiing, they could actually then stay out at the Otway Trails because that's where Caledonia Nordic is based. That's right. So, so when they originally uh, approached us, uh, it was for that purpose. It was before COVID, and so mm, they had yeah. <laughs> right. So they had some ideas about uh, having some national and international tournaments, mm. um, or I shouldn't say tournament. I don't know what the proper term competitions, is, but, but competitions yeah. within there. Within there, so they would. They've previously always had to rent these buildings and keep them mm. on site. So now they have the ability to actually have them as a permanent fixture. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're insulated, wired, you know, so they'll be warm. They can yeah. they can handle the winters, no problem there. And, and then they have the asset, right? Now, what about the air cadets? Because that's a group that you don't normally think of as needing facilities for a bunkhouse. Well, funny enough, actually, they do because they do a lot of camping and things like that. They do a lot of outdoor activity. So this will help, help facilitate them as well. Okay. So... Is this one then that they are putting in a location that they normally run camps into so that it's not going to be in the city where people can rest before they go out camping? It's going to be out where they're camping. Yeah, it's, okay. they, ha- they have facilities for it, and so yeah. there'll be uh, permanent structures out of those facilities. Wow. Yeah. And so now, how long is the Blade Runners course? So it's 20 weeks. Well, yeah, so it's quite a quite a length of time yeah. actually. So it's the their first ten weeks is in classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's broken down into six weeks of of life skills we call it, um, and then two weeks of essentially math so that they can get oh, their, boy. get up to snuff. That's yeah. right. <laughs> That's usually the big hurdle, but yeah. it's actually not that bad. It's mm. uh, because it's it's uh, it's real math. It's not yeah. it's not just math on a piece of paper. It's yeah. well, it's practical math. Here's, That's yeah. a better way to put Here's it. Here's a six foot piece of wood. Now, how long a piece of wood do you need to match up to it on this side to build, to make the wall? Well, a lot of That's fractions, right? right? Yes. We, we still deal in Imperial, so everything yeah. is fractions, so it's learning how to add and mm-hmm. subtract fractions mm-hmm. and all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, boy. Yeah. Add and subtract isn't bad. Multiply. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we teach them those pieces, too. And mm-hmm. then after the two weeks of that, then it's two weeks of construction theory. Um, so they get the idea of why we do things the way we do. Okay, yeah. And then 10 weeks of building a bunkhouse and a couple of sheds so that they get to practice that. Wow. Now, as they're going through, how often do you find yourself partway through that second 10 weeks going, okay, we need to practice that part a little bit more? You know, it's it's always a learning process, yeah. and everybody learns at a different rate, so it's never an issue mm-hmm. for us. Um, you know, we have a couple of uh, myself and, and uh, another instructor, and, and we both have a lot of patients. We've dealt with mm-hmm. youth. We have kids of our own. It's no problem to take a minute, pull someone aside, say, hey, this is how we're going to do this, okay, and yeah. and work through the, the issues, and, and up to this point, we haven't had any, no. so it's been great. Yeah, so there have many cases of, no, 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 it's the pointy end of the nail that goes into the wood. <laughs> no, no, no problems okay. like that. Yeah, we're all good. Yeah, Yeah. okay, good. Now, they're constructing them. These buildings are obviously for outdoors. Where do you, do you guys construct them on site? or? So we have an indoor facility. Oh, So we get wow. to build them all inside so we don't have to worry about weather. Mm, which nice. is Yeah, it makes life a lot easier. Yeah, so you know you're going to have 10 weeks for construction without going... 
well, we'll get a couple of weeks, and then we're probably going to get rained out for a week, and then... Yeah, no. so it's all indoor, so it's pretty pretty yeah. easy that way. Uh, and we get to build them. We may bake them basically just big enough to squeak out of our facility. <laughs> um, and uh, and we do it day, literally a couple of inches on either side, squeak <laughs> it out. And, uh, yeah, but it makes that part of it much easier. And not dealing with wet material, so everything yeah. kind of expands and contracts and all, all that kind of fun stuff. And I guess the other thing is you can run the program year-round then as well. That's right. So. That's right. We can run it all, all the time, and, and we basically have um, continuous classes. Mm-hmm. So every basically every 10 weeks, a new group comes in. Oh, okay. And oh. and so the, the the first group will move into the construction portion. A new group will start the classroom portion, and we just keep rotating through. Wow. Yeah. Now, do you usually find yourself with too many youth registering for the program like do you have to kind of cut down for each of them and say to some of them try again for the next group well traditionally again uh because that we've just started during the covid period yeah. it's, it, covid has made everything a little bit slower mm-hmm. um so you know and of course we want to keep everybody safe so yeah. now that we're kind of seeing the end of covid hopefully um we, uh, you know, we can start to pair things up a little bit more. There might be a little more space available, right, mm-hmm. where we didn't necessarily have the space before. Okay. So, quick question again. We're talking construction. We've been talking about youth. I'm guessing it's open to both male and female. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we have. Okay, just, uh, thought I'd, just thought I would mention that in case there's anybody yeah. out there listening. Yeah. Yeah. No, we have, we've, we have females in the course now. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they do exceptionally well. Um, yeah. What are some of the things that you're sort of looking for beyond those basic qualifications you're talking about, like the age, ha- having a social insurance number and stuff? What are some of the things when they come in to do the eligibility thing, what are some of the things you and the other instructors are sort of looking for? Well, I mean, mostly it's it's about uh, a want. Mm-hmm. If, if it's something that they're interested in doing and they like to do it, then, you know, they're more than likely going to be successful at yeah. it. Um, you know, we kind of have pretty good relationships with a lot of employers. So mm-hmm. when they're done, it's, um, it's, I mean, this group is not, this, our first group is not quite completed yet, yeah. but under similar circumstances, we've had uh, groups, um, you know, they're vir- virtually, you complete the course hundred percent success. So, you know, we're going to get them mm-hmm. a job and that part of it is kind of, so we want them to be able to, we want to be looking to that point. Mm-hmm. The end goal is to get them meaningful long-term employment, right? And so I'm guessing they don't just learn then how to hammer boards together to create a house. I'm guessing there's some other stuff that goes into this. Absolutely. So that's when we when we talk about life skills, that's the first six weeks. Mm-hmm. That's really what we're teaching. You know, like like show up in appropriate attire, make sure you show up on time, mm-hmm. make sure you're ready to go. All those little things that uh, that we want to reinforce to make sure that they are successful when they mm-hmm. get into the workforce. Now, do they learn things like first aid, or do you guys have a first aid? Per- well, I'm guessing you probably have a first aid person there, anyways. But do the students learn first aid as well? Yes. So we all, yeah. we always have first aid attendants on mm-hmm. staff. No two no two ways about that. And yes, all of the all of the clients do get first aid training. They get a construction site like a site ready. It's called mm-hmm. training. Um, they get uh, you know WEMA certification, fall protection. You know, so there's some certifications that come along with it that relate to the field. So again, that makes it that much. easier easier when they complete the course they can go to an employer and it's not just i've got the blade runners course the employer also knows that it comes with these other certifications so they don't have to say 
well, okay, this looks good, but we're going to have to send you away for first aid treat training. Well, no, they've got that already. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. So that makes it easy as well. Yeah. So it's not as if the people have to come to you with the first aid training and everything already. If they've got it from some other thing, you're not going to turn them away because, no, but... No, and, I, and I, that's anybody who's ever interested. I think the first thing is just to come in and have a conversation mm-hmm. and, you know, start the process. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure everything's going to work out for you. Okay. If it's not or if there's something missing, then let's try and address that and, and, and get you where you want to be, right? Okay. So you were saying, I think, the current program has two weeks left. Now, is that two weeks left of the full 20? That's correct, yeah. So have you already got another group that's eight weeks into their first into their classroom stuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So you're, so in two weeks, this first group finishes, that second group finishes their classroom stuff, and you've got another group ready to go right into the classroom and sit down in those same chairs and start working again. Exactly right. Yeah. Right. Do you guys, do you guys take any breaks or is it pretty much a year round thing? Like I'm guessing maybe over the Christmas holidays and stuff like that, but apart from that, well, Pretty much year round. I mean, stat holidays we always yeah. take off, right? But either than that, we actually have a li- we the way we've structured it is so in between um, the one class completing their ten weeks of construction, mm-hmm. there's actually a one week reset. We have okay. one week in there where we can clean the shop, get it ready, mm-hmm. get everything we need for the next group to start, and then that next group starts that week, and away we go. Okay, yeah. So that group that's coming in, would they have been? They would have just been finishing up their week 10 in the classroom during that week. That, That's right. So they delay by sort of a week then as well. That's right. Okay. So we, we kind of, we yeah. like, there's no break in the 20 weeks. They, no. The 20 weeks are continuous, yeah. but but we've just structured it so that we have a little time to get the shop back in order. That's, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking when you were talking about how you build the... Uh, bunkhouses, if you will, so that they can just barely fit out. I'm guessing that's where you make it very clear. This is why we did all this stuff on measuring. That's right. <laughs> that's right. We we literally, I think, the first ones we built because uh, we were not 100% certain how everything would, would ride out mm. of the shop. Mm. Um, we actually had to go and physically push the garage door open a little bit more so that we could fit it through the top. <laughs> so it, it is very close. I think, you know, within uh, two or three inches on either side and within an inch or two on the top. And is that something that the students are still there for? Like they help with the... Absolutely, because it's kind of a rite of passage, you yeah. know, to, 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 to see all of this work that you've done and build this mm-hmm. structure and get it outside and see it in the sunlight and kind of say, you know what, I did that. And it's, a, it's quite an accomplishment. So at that point, though, is their work basically over? Like they would not be responsible for going out and actually setting it up on the property? That's correct. Okay. So at that point, the uh, you know whoever is you turn it over to yeah. the uh, ski club or the air cadets and say it's yours now. That's right. You Just don't touch that particular piece of wood; it may fall out. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's no. none of that. There, no. there. We we make sure that they are well built. Yeah. So, how can people, if people want more information, or if they're going? Yes, I'm interested in this right now. How do they go get more information? So, you know, we're, any which way they would like. Mm-hmm. Please come down. I think the, the best way is always to come down and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. So just come on down anytime. Make yourself an appointment. Call and make an appointment if you'd like to do that. Okay. Um, you know, the website, our website, coperadmin.ca, is uh, is 
has some great information there too and all the contact info and yeah just come down and see us what's the phone number so our phone number is uh, 250-596-2517 2517 it obviously it's not just the blade runners program you guys have got going on right now there's probably a fair number of other things that they can maybe say well the blade runners sort of interest me and then they call you up or they'll go on the website and they're going oh wait a minute Well, like I say, we have quite a few programs running here in Prince mm-hmm. George. So, if uh, you know, we can help pretty much anybody. So, if you're if you want to find work, come down, talk to us. We will find you the right fit, and we will help. Okay. Rob Glavina, Copart Administration. Thank you very much for coming in and talking to us about Blade Runners raising roofs. Thanks for having me. Take a quick break and be back after nine. Hi, this is the Wolfman. CFIS FM features two weekly shows dedicated to local musicians, Homegrown Friday night at 7 and Homegrown Light Wednesday afternoon at 1. Both shows feature music and interviews from local artists performing and recording in our area. Homegrown features a mix of heavier sounds and Homegrown Light focuses on the softer sounds. Check them out. Homegrown Friday night at 7 and Homegrown Light Wednesday afternoon at 1. Only here on 93.1 CFIS FM. The Grizzly Bear Foundation's Grizzcast is back with new podcasts for the summer. Check out Episode 4 with former war correspondent, wilderness guide, and activist Julius Strauss venturing into B.C.'s rare inland temperate rainforest. From the fight to end the grizzly bear hunt across the province to the expanding role of bear viewing and conservation, the Grizzly Bear Foundation celebrates recent achievements while discussing pressing threats to grizzlies in the Kootenays and beyond. New Grizzly Bear Foundation Grizzcasts, now available at grizzlybearfoundation.com. Ron Brent Park is now open. The park is located between the Connaught Youth Center and River Bend Seniors Manor. Accessible paved trails with lighting, horseshoe pits, seniors' fitness equipment, and a large garden make it an attractive local park for seniors. Landscaping includes an irrigated lawn, trees, and site furnishings, and easy access is available from paved parking at the Connaught Youth Center. It's the latest addition to the city's spectacular park system. Ron Brent Park is now open behind the Connaught Youth Center. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly sunny today, wind from the southeast at 20 this afternoon, a high of 22 with a high UV index. A few clouds tonight, southeast winds becoming light this evening, a low of 7. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud at a high of 19. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And it may seem kind of tough to believe, but we are getting into hockey season. And last Thursday, we had Kyle Anderson from the Prince George Spruce Kings talk to us on Post to Post. And I said, Kyle, it's the middle of August, but I'm betting you guys are already getting busy. Yeah, you know, it's definitely been been an interesting time. Um, you know, probably since mid-May, it's really started to ramp up. And in a normal off-season, we start in... Before the off season even begins, we start everything in February and planning and and let the you know previous season end. But you know this year we weren't even playing in February, so <laughs> it's been a it's been a whirlwind for sure, and and it's going to just keep getting a little uh, busier um, as we keep going here too. Yeah. Now the good news, I guess. Well, I guess a this month you guys have got your uh, camps underway, don't you? Your summer camps. Yeah, so we've got two weeks of hockey school uh, for the kids. We've got uh, our 
first week starts next week on Monday, Monday to Friday, um, and then the following week, uh, the 23rd to the 27th as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's open to 2008-born players all the way through 2016-born players. So uh, really hitting all the age groups this year, and we'll have our coaching staff up uh you know, Alex Even, our head coach, Lucas Lemicki, uh, mix in some alumni, mix in some current players. We'll have, uh, I know, nine on-ice sessions and uh, four off-ice sessions as well. So it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun for the kids. So if you haven't registered yet, make sure you uh, get those forms in really soon as space is uh, limited. And now I'm thinking there's probably a lot of the young guys this week are thinking, gee, why couldn't it have been this week that we were inside the arena playing hockey? Yeah, no, I think that's probably a, a thought for sure. And, and, I mean, the weather seems to be, um, you know, warm all the time now. So, you know, maybe it'll be a good thing uh, next week when we get on the fresh ice at Kin 1. Yeah. Oh, so you guys are at Kin 1 for the uh, for the schools? Yeah, our hockey school will be at Kin 1. Um, I think ice will be should be back in the Rolling Mix Concrete Arena about, uh, you know, probably around mid um, mid-September. Okay. Hopefully that's not before you guys figure on starting training camp. Uh, no. Uh, uh, the earliest any team can start is September 17th, so I believe we'll be on the ice uh, on the 17th and uh, getting ready for the for the big season. So. so now you were saying that you got some alumni in for the uh, hockey schools. Are these players from the Prince George area, or are these guys coming in a little bit early to get ready for training camp? I uh, know. So the um, our, one of our lead instructors for one of the groups will be Justin Fillion. Mm. Uh, he's a former player here for the Spruce Kings and um, played some uh, some time in, in the league. And um, and then on our junior side, we'll have uh, some of our local players. So Jordan Fairley, uh, one of our goaltenders, um, alongside John Harrington and uh, Lyndon Macau. Um, they'll all be some jun- they'll be the junior instructors for the two weeks. Um, and then we'll, we're also in, inviting out a, um, a young player um, named Matthew Gibson, who, who's played with the Caribou Hockey Program um, and has been a billet brother to uh, some of our players over the last few years as well. And he's uh, he's growing up and he's been through the hockey school, so uh, he's going to get a, a good experience as a, as a coach um, over the next couple of weeks as well. Now, you said he's been a billet brother. I'm wondering if that was just a coincidence because there's something else you guys are doing right now. Yeah, no, it was a coincidence, but definitely something that had to be talked about, uh, you know, during this call. Uh, definitely looking for, for more billet beds right now and, you know, families that uh, that are looking to, you know, basically be a home away from home for one of our players. And, you know, we we really pride ourselves with the Spruce Kings on, on making sure that we bring in good character kids and, um, you know, all the feedback that, that we get um, from, from our billet families is, you know, how, how great the kids are with, whether it's their kids, whether it's their animals, like it's just, it's just such a, such a great feeling to, to know that we've got so many caring families in Prince George. And, you know, unfortunately right now we're just in a spot, we need a few more and, uh, Definitely uh, something that uh, you know. If you have a have a spare room and you're looking for for something to uh, to to do in the off season or or in, in the winter season, I guess it is to watch some hockey and and really uh, you know help the kids' goals towards the NCAA and beyond. And uh, you know we'd love to hear from you. So now I'm guessing at this point this year is also looking to be a lot closer to a normal season for the Billet families as well, isn't it? 
Yeah, so everything that, that we've been told to this point um, from our league, from Hockey Canada and everything, is you know that it will be as, as close to normal as possible. And, um, you know, we're, we're awaiting September 7th. Um, again, that's supposed to be a date that maybe step four of the restart plan happens. And, um, again, we'll see what, what happens on that day and, and what kind of parameters are set in terms of fans and, and that kind of thing in the building. But, um, yeah, definitely hoping to be, to be a normal season. The, the BCHL's all set for, uh, I'm, I've lost track of how many times it's changed, but I think it's 54 game season now, and yeah. uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, is Wenatchee still on the schedule at this point? Because again, there's a lot of talk about the border between Canada and the U.S. Yeah, so the schedule was released, and Wenatchee is definitely a part of it. Mm-hmm. They've got a team re- recruited and a team ready to go, and. Um, you know, again, I know that behind the scenes, uh, a lot of people are, are working really hard. That's you know, well outside of our league scope as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, definitely think that uh, the federal government's involved. Uh, Hockey Canada is involved as well. And, um, you know, we've seen other leagues get exemptions for, for teams to cross the border to, to participate in their sport. And um, when you can keep in a bubble as you can, in, you know, as a hockey team, um, I think it's definitely something that's going to be possible. So, you know, we'll just leave it in those in those higher ups' hands for now, and and really hope that uh, that we get to see the Wenatchee Wild in the BC Hockey League this year. Yeah. As the saying goes, that decision is being made above your pay rank. Exactly. Now, when training camp starts on September the seventeenth for the Spruce Kings, assuming everything goes according to plan, um, will it again be more of a normal training camp? As I recall, last year you and almost the other teams basically just said, "Okay, who are the guys who we want on our roster for the season?" And those were the guys who came to training camp. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be an interesting kind of look um, for sure. Uh, I think gone are the days in most places around the league that, uh, you know, in the past you'd bring in 50 kids and, you know, the, the last 25 standing would make the team. And, you know, I think that's kind of gone by the wayside. And, you know, we definitely have a, a good, strong returning core and, and some really good acquisitions and recruits. So, you know, I think, you know, as you mentioned, the, the core of that team and that, that is going to be their opening night is, is set. But, and you're going to see some players uh, that are invited that are really going to to push the guys that uh, you know that are returning or coming in, and um, you know maybe they're younger and maybe they're they're going to be on the team in a year or two, but uh, they're really going to get you know immersed in our program and and really get ready for what. Uh, playing in the BCHL would be like, um, especially for, for our program. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be back with the second part of the interview with Kyle Anderson from the Prince George Spruce Kings, recorded last Thursday on the Post to Post show, and we'll be doing that after 9. If you're a senior, make sure you protect yourself from extreme heat. Know your risks, as extreme heat can exacerbate existing medical conditions. Prepare for the heat. Pay close attention to how you and those around you feel. Stay hydrated by drinking water before you're thirsty. Keep your home cool and avoid exposure to very hot temperatures. More information on staying safe during extreme heat and additional resources are available on the Health Canada website through Canada.ca. 
When you notice an eye-catching headline related to dementia, beware. Sometimes when journalists are asked to interpret complex studies, we see headlines that exaggerate or sensationalize results to drive more clicks to their articles. When coming across an exciting headline, do an initial gut check. Look beyond the headline and consider the source. The Alzheimer's Society of BC has their annual publication, A Focus on Research, now available online. Check it out today at alz.com. BC.org. Employers are now able to apply online to the BC government's COVID-19 paid sick leave reimbursement program. Through this program, employers can reimburse for up to three days of wages paid to workers for COVID-19 related sick leave. To apply, you must be signed up to the WorkSafe BC online services and not have an existing paid sick leave program. Full details are available at WorkSafeBC.com. More information about the program is available on the BC government COVID-19 paid sick leave reimbursement program webpage. Watson Weekend returns to Hubble Homestead August 27th to 29th. Suitable for all ages, Watson Weekend will feature new puzzles and brain teasers for your group to work on at your own pace. Watson Weekend events are free with your admission donation. Don't forget about the annual Potato Festival, September 5th and 6th. Full details on both events are available at hubblehomestead.ca. Watson Weekend, August 27th to 29th at Hubble Homestead, 40K North off Highway 97 on Mitchell Road. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. And now the second part of the interview recorded last Thursday on the Post to Post show with Kyle Anderson from the Prince George Spruce Kings. Now, is the BCHL doing anything, even though you guys had a season last year, it was a very truncated season, shall we say. Is the BCHL doing anything about allowing players an extra year of eligibility, if you will? Uh, nope, not at this time. There's nothing that's been discussed. Um, it's it's very unfortunate. Um, you know, you hear, you hear of players around the league that are, you know, dealing with that as 20-year-olds that have, you know, moved moved on or, or are trying to move on, finding a college program, and then um, with the majority of the NCAA schools being allowed an additional year of eligibility mm-hmm. down there, uh, which is totally different. But, uh, yeah, it's just it, it would be a never-ending situation of catch-up, I think, in, in our league or any league across Hockey Canada. And, you know, that it would limit the, uh, the amount of uh, spots available for the younger ages, too. So I think it's... Uh, it's a real unfortunate situation. It's a it's a big catch twenty two, and you know, as someone that that has a sports administration kind of background, and you know, you kind of sit back and look and, and try to figure out maybe if there's another solution. But you know, there's a lot of smart people at, at the BCHL executive table, and you know, I know they've they've had those discussions, but you know, I just don't I don't see that being a, a reality, and uh, especially this late in the game now, it's hard to just you know go and add this one or two 21-year-old players if that was the case. Yeah. Now, I'm guessing the other thing you guys have to keep a look, uh, keep an eye on as well is a gain with other jurisdictions, if you will, and their COVID rules because you guys don't just recruit from around Prince George or even just from in BC, right? Yeah, I know exactly. It's something that, uh, that you have to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I think for the longest time we didn't have an American player on our roster. Um, I believe we're going to have one now, um, maybe two, but, um, you know, it seems to be that that part is going to be able to be taken care of uh, with the vaccination and, and proof of vaccination or negative tests mm-hmm. and um, on that side. And, 
and then again, it's uh, you know, again, it's just dealing with the what, what the rules are or how the how the language is worded about um, recommended or, or non-recommended travel uh, between regions. And again, we we know that uh, people at the league level are looking at it, and you know, we'll we'll deal with it as it comes to us, and uh, we'll just uh, you know try to go business as usual and. Again, hopefully no more about 10 days before camp starts. Okay. So that'll be, well, again, as you say, that works out actually quite nice because that's right about the time that we might get the word that we can go to uh, Phase 4. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, we still have a month from that point to, you know, when we're kind of looking at games anyway. So mm-hmm. I think it helps every marketer in the league uh you know, giving them that, giving them that four weeks to to get ready for that opening night. Yeah, and now you guys have got because this is kind of a special season for the Spruce Kings, isn't it, in Prince George? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it, it's actually a pretty special season all around the league. So it's the 60th anniversary of the BC Hockey League, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that that's pretty special. Um, I know Nanaimo is having their 50th anniversary this year. The Spruce Kings have been in Prince George for 50 years. Not all of them in the BCHL, but they have been in the in the city for 50 years now. So we're we're definitely working on uh, some some big things for that, and and hopefully have more information coming out in the coming weeks. And you know we're really looking forward to really honoring our history and um, you know really really showing that uh, how how big a, a piece uh, the Spruce Kings have been for Prince George over that period of time. Yeah, because you guys have got, again, I think last year and maybe the year before that, you had that five-game pack where basically I think people could sort of pick the five games they wanted to go to. This year it's a five-game pack, but the games have been sort of pre-chosen. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're trying to drive, um, again, hopefully, the attendance to those five games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given the parameters that are in place at the time, and um, we'll we'll be focusing them on on specific decades. So we'll have decade nights um, for the '70s, the '80s, the '90s, uh, the 2000s, and then the 2010s. So we'll um, kind of honor uh, honor players and and all uh, all decade teams throughout um, throughout that period leading up to the game, and hopefully get some alumni in. I know we've got a. A goaltender from the 1972 team planning to fly in from California to be part of that November game uh, against the Trail Smoke Eaters for 70s night. And um, there's definitely some fun things that we're going to try to do. And, and the best part is, is as fans will, will kind of know, we've, uh, I call us Jersey aficionados now um, <laughs> because that's kind of the way, way it's been. So yeah. we'll be wearing five different jerseys on those nights as well. Wow. Um, or a jersey that may be similar, mm-hmm. uh, but with a couple added patches here and there, and um, definitely throwbacks to the past. So nothing in a brand new design, but uh, throwing back to the past, and, and that uh, also recognizes those eras that uh, that those teams played in. Now, have you gotten any word from other teams in the league where you might be visiting on a special night that they're hosting? Yeah, so that's also something that uh, that's kind of in the works as well. It's from a league uh, a league angle, and uh, I know more information from the league is going to be coming out, and hopefully by the end of August. So, um, you know, wh- whether we're going to get a chance to wear our jerseys, um, you know, in another team's arena, right. uh, kind of remains to be seen. But we have invited um, the teams that we will be playing for our nights when when we set them to to wear their 
uh, vintage or retro jerseys as well. So that's something that we're hoping will hoping will work and uh, will kind of be a, a cool visual um, on the ice when we play those games. So, Kyle, if people want to keep up on everything that's happening with the Spruce Kings, I guess, including how to get in touch with you, if they're willing to be a billet or the schedule or anything, how do they do it? Uh, the best way is to go on online, go to our website, uh, sprucekings.bc.ca. Um, you can also visit us on Facebook. Um, just search Prince George Spruce Kings. Our Twitter account is at Spruce Kings, and our Instagram is at PG Spruce Kings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a few areas there. And if you need to know any information, just send us a quick email at info at sprucekings.bc.ca. That interview with Kyle Anderson from the Prince George Bruce Kings again from last Thursday's Post to Post. Take a quick break. Be back with more after nine. The Prince George Council of Seniors is looking for good news. If you have a good news story you'd like to share with other seniors, email it to info.pgcos at gmail.com with good news story in the subject line. Selected stories will be published in an upcoming edition of the Senior Times newsletter. They're also accepting recipe submissions. If you're not currently receiving the Senior Times, contact the Council of Seniors by emailing info.pgcos at gmail.com to get your copy today. The University of Northern BC is conducting a research survey on the use of technology to support social connection during COVID-19. The survey is to learn how people are using technology to share information and maintain social connections during the pandemic. Those over the age of 18 are invited to share their experiences and enter a draw to win one of five $50 Amazon gift cards. To take the survey or for more information, click on the UNBC survey link on the public service announcement page at cfisfm.com. Check out Arterial at Two Rivers Gallery through September 18th, featuring works of five BC artists from along Highway 16, dubbed the Fantastic 5.0 Collective. Arterial includes landscapes, mixed-media portraits, and multi-layered narratives. The images and subjects in Arterial speak to the resilience of artists in the North and of findings, community, and support. View Arterial at Two Rivers Gallery through September 18th, Open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 5, Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. Forecast from Environment Canada, mainly sunny today, wind from the southeast at 20 this afternoon, a high of 22 with a high UV index. A few clouds tonight, southeast winds becoming light this evening, a low of 7. For Wednesday, a mix of sun and cloud at a high of 19. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. The Central BC Railway and Forest Museum, of course, always a busy place. And I hear there's a new exhibit on. Um, and it's, it's not a title that you would normally like to hear about at a railway museum. It's called Derailed. And Maria Martins from the museum is with us now. Good morning, Maria. Good morning. So, Derailed. Like I say, that's not necessarily the nicest sounding title for an exhibition at a uh, railway museum. What is derailed? Yeah, so we actually kicked around the idea of calling the exhibit re-railed, but, you know, we thought it wasn't quite as shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, because the exhibit is all about putting derailed trains back on the track and the crews that would have done that, auxiliary crews. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's something a lot of people don't really think about, is it? No, I think when people think of railways, they usually have a very... Uh, 
uh, romantic notion of passenger service mm-hmm. and tourism. But no, um, at our museum, we talk a little bit more about the, the nitty-gritty stuff. Yeah. And again, even you know, even though it happens very infrequently that a train will go off the track, again, I think it's something a lot of people just don't think about. Well, yeah, how do they get it back onto the track? So how long... I guess, first of all, who put this exhibit together? Yeah, so our summer students uh, this summer had the opportunity to gather information um, together to put this this exhibit up. Mm -hmm. Last year, um, we were able, as a staff, to have interviews with some auxiliary workers from the Prince George area Mm -hmm. that functioned from the 70s to the 90s, and we really wanted to use that information, and we thought this was a a perfect opportunity to explore that. Okay, so now... When they put, when the summer students put the information together, did they keep it as still from the 70s to the 90s, or was there a little bit more of a focus on it at that point? Um, they did keep it a little bit more general, except for a specific case study that they did delve into. Mm-hmm. The Stephen Lake derailment uh, occurred in 1980, and it was, it's quite exciting. There was two locomotives that plunged into Stephen Lake, and it was quite an operation to um, retrieve oh. them. Yeah, so now why did they go into the lake? Obviously, it was, I'm guessing it wasn't a collision. Was it, um, was it something that happened with the rails, or was it a natural thing? Yeah, so derailments on the railway often happen, uh, usually not from, from train crashing together. Mm-hmm. Usually it's because of um, track maintenance, maybe that something's wrong with the track, or from a natural occurrence. In the case of the Seaton Lake derailment, there was a rock slide. Oh, which would have been quite a shock for the guy driving the locomotive when he came around the corner. Yes, and in fact, there was actually um, a speeder. There was a small um, automobile on the track that was speeding ahead of the train, um, oh. looking looking at the track and doing an inspection. And so when he drove by, there was nothing wrong. And then suddenly he realized the light behind him from the locomotive wasn't shining anymore. <laughs> and so he backtracked and saw the locomotive in the lake. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was just that quick though too. Like he yeah, the speeder went by quick. no problem at all and after he went by, boom, down come the rocks and over goes the locomotive. Yep. Wow. And so now the exhibit and what you guys were doing with it out there, you weren't speaking with the engineers or the crew on the train or anything, right? You were talking to the people who came in afterwards. Yes. So, what were what were their stories like? Because like, I'm thinking, from what it sounds like, you and the other staff were the ones who talked to them the summer before, right? Yes. So, what was it like sitting there and talking with these guys who went out to locations like this? Like, how often were you kind of going, wow? Often. Often <laughs> I was going, wow. Um, you know, they're very humble about their stories, and they don't see the work they did as being that special or significant. And so I can say from talking to them, they talk about a lot of really amazing things as if it's, as if they're regular. Yeah. And, and they, um, but they, they were so proud to share their stories okay. and they're, they're so happy that um, people think that the work they did was meaningful, which it, it very mm-hmm. much was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had all of these interviews that you had done now, had you decided ahead of time that you would like the summer students to work on the Seton Lake one, or did they come in and look at what you guys had gathered and say, the Seton Lake one looks like it would be an interesting one to do? They decided independently that they'd okay. like to do uh, the Seton Lake one. 
Okay, so then what does the exhibit look like? Like, I'm guessing it's not just, here's a diagram showing the lake, and here's a diagram showing where the train locomotives went in. I'm well, thinking there's I'm more to it than that. In, I'm standing in the exhibit right now. Oh. I can, I can tell you a little bit about what it looks like right in front yeah, of me. Okay. Yeah, Let's so you walk it. into the exhibit, and you're struck by a huge sign that uh, introduces you to the exhibit and says what it's about. Mm-hmm. And you walk along, and you're introduced to the idea of what an auxiliary service even is. Uh, you're seeing some tools. There's some tools that would have been used by cranes. We have some huge pulleys that were actually used by our diesel crane that is on site at the museum. And they are heavy. No need for guarding. <laughs> to do. No one's moving those. Okay. Uh, we also have a full setup talking about different hand tools that were used in track construction and components of the track. Just to understand auxiliary crews and what they work on, mm-hmm. you really have to understand what a railway track is made of. Yeah, metal. Heavy metal. (laughs) Lots of heavy metal. Um, We have a wonderful diorama that was put together by the students explaining the Seedon Lake derailment, along with uh, an archival video from the Royal BC Museum that shows um, um, some of the original footage from the crash, as well as some uh, um, later later cinematic marvel that they put together. Mm Mm-hmm. And we've also pulled a full speeder car into the gallery, so you can look up right close at it. So so that speeder car would be similar to the one that got by the slide before it came down? Yes, it's very similar. <laughs> you can be sort of looking at it and going, yeah, if the slide had hit this guy, yeah, not good. Yes. <laughs> and then we've also... Um, we wanted to make it really visual. We wanted people to come in here and just see a lot of color and think, wow. And we wanted mm-hmm. it to be very exciting for kids, too. Yeah. So we've utilized a lot of models that we have of um, actual pieces we have out in the parks because it's really hard. We have all our trains that were used in auxiliary service sitting right out there, but we can't bring them inside. Why so not? Have- <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know, the building might just be a tad too small. Oh, right. Okay, build a bigger building. I, you know what? I wish. Okay. I hope we can one day. Yeah. But, okay, so so did you have these models already then of the trains? Yeah. Up there? Okay, so that was convenient. Yeah. You, didn't have to get them, you didn't have to get them specially made for this exhibit. We actually have a wonderful collection of models of many pieces on our site that were handmade by um, a past member of the volunteer. His name oh. was Roy Groenfeld, and uh, his models are wonderful. I would classify them as folk art. Wow. So that made it that much easier then for you, for your students to be able to set up something showing exactly what happened that day. Yeah. Now, the exhibit, does it show basically, here's the tracks, here's Seton Lake, and here's the locomotives in the water? And then what happens after that? Because a lot of what you were talking about here, it sounds like, was the actual um, auxiliary crews. Yeah, so the video that we have playing in the exhibit shows the process of what happened to get the, the what the auxiliary crews had to do to retrieve the locomotive from the lake, which is quite, it's an impressive story that actually um, uses equipment and technology that wasn't used on most cleanups. So they actually had divers go into the lake and secure bolts to the trains so that they could pull them out. To actually pull out the locomotives, they use a mechanism called, they used a spar tree or a spar truck, mm-hmm. which is actually a device used for forestry. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's basically a large artificial tree that um, has pull up large pulley and winch system on the top of it, and they used it to pull the locomotives out. 
once the locomotives had surfaced, they used um, large diesel cranes, which are what usually auxiliary mm-hmm. crews use, um, to re-rail the trains. Okay. So was there any damage to the tracks themselves? Like, after they got the rock slide clear, obviously they would have inspected the tracks. Was there any damage to the tracks? Like, did the tracks have to be rebuilt at all, or was it just basically just basically getting the locomotives out of the lake? You know, um, in their exhibit, they don't actually mention if there was much track repair, but I would be shocked if there wasn't some yeah. damage from the rock slide. Yeah, and from the trains leaving the track as well, I would think. Yes, yes. But, um... Man. So now, let's go through this. So it's at the Railroad Forest Museum. Where are you guys? When are you open? We are on River Road. Our mm-hmm. address is 850 River Road, right next to Cottonwood Island Park. Right. And right now, we are open from Wednesday to Sunday from 11 till 5. Okay. Now, are there any COVID regulations that you guys are enforcing out there? You know, we're very lucky to have a large open-air park. We do ask when you come into our gift shop that you wear a mask. But mm. beyond that, um, we're very able to maintain social distance between groups. So it's actually pretty free out in the park. Okay. Now, where is the exhibit itself? It's inside, right? Yeah. So the exhibit is in our main gallery off the gift shop. And it's always free for the public to come into our gallery. Mm, that's right. Yeah, I, I, because I've been out there a number of times. And the sort of the ticket booth is as you leave the gallery at the back, isn't it, to go out into the actual area where all of the trains are kept? Yes. So you have to go out into the park to see the trains. Yeah, you have to go through and yeah. pay admission and everything. But, yeah, the gallery is is always free. Okay. Now, if people want more information, Maria, on the Central BC Railway and Forest Museum, how can they find it? Like, I'm guessing you guys have got a website. Yeah, you guys can find us at our website. It is pgrfm.bc.ca, or you can find us on Facebook at Central BC Railway and Forestry Museum, and you can always give us a call, too. So I'm just checking this. So it's the Central BC Railway and Forest Museum, but the website is pgrfm. Yes, it's okay, a complicated just, story, but no, they are. I know, no, I just want to make sure that people realize that there, that you can't just type in the actual name of central bc and get well you probably would but yeah if you, might if you google us and just put in central yeah. bc railway and forestry museum you'll find us too okay maria martins with central bc railway and forestry museum thank you very much for talking to us today about derailed yeah thank you okay take another quick break and be back with more after nine The Canadian Red Cross is in need of volunteers. Positions are available in Prince George for the Emergency Management and Health Equipment Loan Program. Full training is provided. For full details, call 1-800-565-800, visit redcross.ca slash volunteers, or email volunteerbcy at redcross.ca. That's the Canadian Red Cross needing emergency management and health equipment loan volunteers for Prince George. Get trained, and you can help when help is most needed. Each year, Dairy Queen stores across Canada participate in Miracle Treat Day, a day where net proceeds from every Blizzard treat purchased are donated to local children's hospitals and support children in need of care. This year, to ensure the safety of customers and staff, DQ Canada is celebrating Miracle Treat Day on Thursday, October 28th. Help continue the 19-year tradition of making miracles happen for six children and their families by visiting your local DQ to celebrate Miracle Treat Day Thursday, October 28th. 
The regional district of Fraser Fort George is urging extreme caution with campfires. Although the BC Wildfire Service has rescinded the Prince George Fire Center campfire ban, the fire danger rating in parts of the regional district remains high to extreme. Please consider refraining from any type of burning, especially within the Robson Valley. For up-to-date information about the wildfire situation across the province, search online for BC Wildfire Status. For information about road conditions affected by wildfires, go to drivebc.ca. City crews have finished construction of a new crosswalk on Tyner Boulevard at the intersection with Baker and Gannett Roads. The new crosswalk has a rectangular rapid flashing beacon design. This means in addition to standard crosswalk paving markings and signage, pedestrians are able to activate flashing lights to alert motorists of their presence. Motorists are reminded to watch for pedestrians utilizing the new marked crossing. More information on the new Tyner Boulevard crosswalk is available through the Roads and Transportation link under City Services at PrinceGeorge.ca. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we got a few minutes left and going to just chat about some upcoming events. One that's actually happening today in actually technically about two hours. Uh, Stop the Spray BC, um, Echo. Wiley had a couple of guests on yesterday's After 9 talking about this. Um, they're holding a rally uh, today at noon. Uh, they want to know where and when Canfor will be spreading their glyph- glyphosate weed killer this year. <laughs> and I was taught, I was asking James Steidel at the end of the interview, because James was in studio, he's with Stop the Spray BC, and I said, how often do people call it glyphosate because you're so used to hearing chemical names ending in fate? And he said it happens all the time. So I don't feel quite so bad about mispronouncing glyphosate for the first time. So that's at noon, and it will be um, at the... Forestry BC office, I believe, which is right across the street from Canfor. I'm just looking at their press release here, and uh, right across the street from CN Center. Yeah, yeah. You said Canfor. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm looking at their press release, and it just occurred to me the press release that's here doesn't actually have a location. Well, no, I didn't reprint the media release oh, okay. because uh, I yeah. knew that you knew where it was. I knew where it was. Echo it's knew where it was. Today, yeah. So I didn't uh, no. feel the need to uh, reprint that. And that's happening today and starting on Thursday. Thursday is the downscale BCNE, if you will, although it's not even a BCNE. Yeah, well, I've, I've heard some people refer to it as the BCNE. Uh, it's in association with the BCNE. Yes. I mean, they put this, this together. Is, this is the same time that the BCNE and, would normally and be. And it is two of the major attractions. Yes. For the annual event, you have 4-H is going to be yep. there all four days yeah. with their achievement days. And uh, then, of course, the midway, midway with the rides. And, and there'll be some food concessions. Games. And, well, the midway comes with yes. food concessions. I don't know if there'll be – I imagine there'll be some uh, local there food vendors locals, there yes. as well. Yeah. But for sure you'll have your, your normal corn dog guys and yes. and uh, snow cones and all those sorts of things. Yeah. And, I mean, when I go to the midway, I have to be very careful about eating before I go on the rides because I usually stick with the Ferris wheel. And even that sometimes I've got to be careful. Careful about what I eat before I go on because those Ferris, Ferris wheel. those Ferris wheels sometimes get going. That's advanced. Yeah. I, I thought maybe you'd be in the kitty cars. No, no. The kitty cars. 
where people run into you all the those time? Are, those are bumper cars. Yeah, well, it's the same thing. You've never seen kiddies you know, riding like cars. The, like the Dumbo ride at, uh, yeah. at uh, Disneyland. That's Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you inferring something there, Any Rich? ride Alan goes on is the Dumbo ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that's what he was trying to get at. Just stay off the Shetland ponies. Yeah, I know. They buck. Well, they, yeah, I guess they... Sometimes, they, sometimes they, they have them out yeah. there, yeah. It's, yeah I don't, it's almost like the combination, if you will, of the 4 Well, I don't know if the Shetland ponies are part of the Midway or if it's a separate yeah. thing that they book. Yeah. I think it's a separate uh, company that does that. And, of course, the other thing is, because this is in association with the BCNE and it's taking place at the exhibition grounds and everything, but gate entry is free. Yes. For the whole thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it'll be a great place uh, to just get out and And, and the weather's see. supposed to be pretty nice. Not bad, yeah. No. Mix of sun and cloud. Not too hot, early, which is nice. Uh, or the low 20s is, yeah. is expected oh. highs, so it should be well, perfect. I'm sure the free gate will bring out a lot of people, too. Oh, no, for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and get in and, and check out, like I say, two of the main parts yeah. of the annual event. So. Yeah, and anybody who's been to the BCNE before will know... You don't usually have to have a map drawn for you to figure out where the 4-H barns are. <laughs> yeah, just be uh, very cautious of where you step. Yes. Although, I again, I have been through there because, well, we were out there a couple of years, weren't we? We well, broadcast we, from the BCNE We broadcast from the BCNE every year. Oh. We're not there this year no. because, obviously, it's, they're yeah. not doing the kin, uh, the kin exhibits. Yeah. So uh, it'd be a little tough to do it from yeah. the from the barns because we need the, the power, et cetera, to, yeah. to be able to do that. But I know I've walked through the barns, and when you consider how many animals they have in there and the fact that they're moving them in and out all the time, they actually do a very good job of keeping the walkways clear. Yeah, and yeah clean. nice so, and clean, yeah. and they always have fresh hay in there, so it's, yeah. it's actually quite good. Yeah, and yeah. very few of the animals um, attack people, unless you attack them first. Yeah. No. Yeah. But a lot of them, a lot of the animals, and if the handler is there, check with them ahead of time. But a lot of the animals, if you just put your hand out, they will come over so you can pat yeah. them, which is nice. Well, I see your handler is here, so we must be getting close to the end of the show. Oh, I should mention one other thing, though. One other We've thing. We've been talking about 4-H. Yes. Guess who I have a representative of on the show tomorrow morning? 4-H. Very good. Good time. Because the auction. That, of course, is the big thing. And that's yeah. who's coming on tomorrow is Liz Ramsey, who oh, is good. with the 4-H auction. Excellent. And that's on Saturday. And uh, that yes. should be a, a big uh, turnout. Oh, for it that. always is. Yeah. Um, so that will do it for today's show. I will be back. Well, Steve and I will be back tomorrow after 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. You're tuned to Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Proudly supported by community groups like